Every day another freak out. Got a freak out about something today. I'm going to wake up and go out in the world and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to freak out. I'm going to freak out. I like that term. I, that phrase will never get old to me. Freaking out. But yeah, that's how it is. I mean, a lot of people, they, they wake up and don't say this aloud. But they, the way they live and think is they wake up and they're like, I'm going to go out in the world and find something to freak out about. Even at home. Think about the number of people. It's not even going out in the world. It's, you know, just uh, you wake up, look at the news, look at anything, look at social media. Pretty much anything you do. Anything they do. I'm going to freak out about this. Checking the news. Going to freak out. Seeing what my friends are saying on social media. Or going to freak out. Drive my car. Freak out. Go to the grocery store. Freak out. Go to work. Freak out. Spend time with my family. Freak out. A lot of freaking out. Lady at work freaked out today. I missed it. I didn't see it. But there was this Asian couple in the store just walking around with two dogs. And, you know, very, people very rarely bring dogs in. But I'm fine with it. You know, as long as the dog is, you know, well-behaved and clean. And they're not letting a do the dog get up on the furniture or something. You know, I, I'm totally fine with it. It's just, you know, you use your judgment, I guess. Does that seem like a dog who's going to piss on something? Does that seem like a dog who's going to bite somebody? But this Asian couple, they didn't speak any English, but they were just walking these two dogs around. And this lady came in. Like I said, I missed it, but I was told about it. And she was like, oh my God. She like yelled. She's like, oh my God, are there dogs in here? And she was like, I got, I got bit by a dog six months ago. And she stormed out. And what's really funny about that is the two dogs this Asian couple had, they were those tiny little curly-haired dogs, not poodles. These, they have kind of a wider face. I don't know what they're called. But they're one of those dogs where like, they look like they, they were designed to look as harmless as possible and be as harmless as possible. Because like chihuahuas are, you know, chihuahuas have like a look to them. Like they look like, you know, little... Uh, I don't know, they, they look like, I don't know, like like they were designed to be feisty. Just their faces and their build, and they are feisty. But this dog that was in the store, it's just, you know, it's a small dog, but it's just the most, it's, it's as if it was designed to be as harmless looking as possible. Like I said, they're like typically white, and they have very curly, sh you know, short fur, and almost like afro. Not quite, <laughs> not quite afro fur, but like close to it, like very nappy fur. And uh, they're just totally harmless and this lady just freaked out. Because you know, I can totally understand just not wanting to be in a store with dogs, especially if you had some traumatic dog bite six months ago. But it's just crazy to freak out about it. Like if I went in a store and there were dogs and like, you know, a lot of places allow dogs in. You know, there's a lot of places where you'll see dogs these days. There's, I don't think there's any law against it. 
but you'll, you'll see dogs, and if, if you don't want to be around a dog, you'll be like, oh, that sucks. But I can't imagine walking into a store and yelling. Oh my god, are there dogs in here? I got bit by a dog six months ago. It's like, you're living a pretty good life. Like, you're going into a furniture store. Which means, like, you either have... You know, if you in your idle time, if you just go browse and look at furniture, or if you're buying furniture, which means dropping, like, hundreds, if not in the thousands of dollars, you, know, you probably don't need to freak out about too much. If you're in that situation where you're entering a furniture store... You probably don't need to freak out about much today. But this lady chose to do it. But yeah, just in general, it's just... People never miss an opportunity to freak out. There's very emotional. Very emotional. Yeah, like, it's interesting to me how... I was talking to somebody about this yesterday where... You know, I completely understand being emotional... You know, sometimes like just a wave of something washes over you. You're sad, you're mad, you're stressed. Whole range, the whole range of emotion. I totally understand being emotional and that sometimes you can't control it. But the number of people who are just ruled by their emotions and they don't even feel like real emotions. Like that lady today, that doesn't even feel like a, a real emotion. That's something you created. That's your story. You know, I think about uh, Krishna Das. Krishna Das. You know, the musician. And I remember for a while I was he was doing live streams. He was doing a podcast or YouTube shows. And I watched a few of them. And he would do these Q&As. And I remember like someone was asking him about basically this. They are basically asking him about, you know, when people just uh, unleash their emotions on you. And freak out and have a this, what I, what I call in this show, like this. Hey, this. This. Have you heard about this? Oh my God, this. You know, like that, that's basically what they were asking him in different words. And Christian Dodds was just like, you know, those are just their stories. Those are just their stories. And that, that stayed with me. I'm like, yeah, stories. Like every time that's going on, I'm like, oh, this is, this, this is that person's story. This is the story they're creating for themselves. They think they have to create this story. Like that lady's story in that moment was like, Oh my God, I can't believe there's dogs in here. I can't be in here. I was bit by a dog six months ago. And then you know, you know when she left, like she carried that story with her for a little bit. Maybe not all day. Although sometimes people do. Sometimes someone does freak out about something like that. And they, they talk about it all day. You know, like that happens. Um, but, uh, you know, they usually carry it with them for a little bit. Like, while she was walking away from the store, she was probably muttering to her husband, like, oh, my God, th th there were dogs in there. There were dogs. They usually bring that with them. It's their story. So, you know, a lot of times when people do that, it's like it doesn't feel real to you. Despite it being intense, it really doesn't feel real. You don't feel like this is an authentic feeling and... An authentic way of expressing that feeling. You're just like, what the fuck? But you're subjected to a lot of it. And some people do it more than others. And, uh... You know, I've told this story on here. I told it years ago when my mom died. 
but how it was one of the first times I went to the grocery store after she died. And I felt high. You know, I've said that before. Like, I, I felt almost like I was on drugs. Despite the grief, there was also this, like... I just felt reality was so different for me. And it was intriguing. And it, it, it was surreal. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that feeling where it was like just going to the store was a surreal experience. I felt high. And how I was at the grocery store and... I, I just I, I went around this lady who had kind of stopped. And I mean, that's that's typical of my grocery store experience. Like I've said before, I dart around the grocery store like a laser. For one, like I usually know exactly what I'm getting. And even if there's going to be, if, even if I'm going to improvise a little bit, you know, even, even if I'm going to like get some random stuff, I still dart around like a laser. I know exactly where to, I know exactly where the sections are where I need stuff, so I'm gonna waste no time in getting there. And beyond like checking expiration dates or something, I don't spend much time looking at it. I just kind of know what I want, and I, I'm I live by routine, so it's like I know what I want, and I'm gonna get it very quickly. I don't want to spend excess time. Like the idea of spending even a half hour in a grocery store is ridiculous to me. Because even my impulse buys are, you know, I kind of have an idea of the sections I'm going to go to or something. But so it's a common experience for me, like, where, like, I'm darting around, you know, like a laser bouncing off the mirrors. And uh, inevitably I'll be behind somebody and they'll, they'll just stop to look at something or they'll just be slow. And I politely go around them. It's not like I run into them and like press my chest against their back and go, like, why'd you fucking move? Why'd you fucking move? Get out of my way, get out of my way. It's not like I'm like that. I just, I know what I'm doing and I, because there's, because the grocery shopping experience is so disorganized and specifically people are disorganized. You know, it's not like I think that grocery stores need to have lanes like the street where, although it's not a bad idea either. You know, where it's like, if you're getting something from the right side of the aisle, walk along the right side. If you're walking through the aisle, walk along the right side. It's like, my rules of the sidewalk. Rules of the road are the rules of the sidewalk or the rules of the grocery store. But, you know, I don't even think that's necessary. It's more just that, like, people are inefficient. And I don't look down on them for it, but I'm not going to let that get in the way of my shopping experience. The other one, while I'm doing a grocery store rant, is just people who stand in front of a section and block it and spend a, a considerable amount of time like looking through things slowly without any awareness of people around them. Like today that happened at, at Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's. At Trader Joe's, it was like, there was just this one thing that I always get that was on a shelf and this lady was like going through everything and like really analyzing it. I don't even know what she was looking at. I don't know if she was looking at like the the nutritional info, the expiration dates, what she was doing, but like she was spending so much time. And I what I usually do in that situation is like I stand, you know, a couple feet away from them. 
you know, I could go to another part of the store and get other things and go back, but you know, there's there's kind of an order. Like if I go to Trader Joe's, you know, there's there's an order to how I do things. Like you go in and like the section that you I'm in first, you know, is the one that you you enter when you first go in. And so I get everything I need from there and I work my way to the left side of the store. You know, I just, I work my way from the right to the left. And so I I really didn't want to, uh, it's not even some sort of OCD thing. It's just, I don't want to have to walk over to the other side of the store and then walk back before I leave. I just, I'd rather just go from right to left. But this lady was taking so long. And so in that situation, I usually just stand a couple feet away and either hope that they notice me. If they're planning on taking a long time, I just hope that they notice me or that they're just not going to take a long time. But sometimes they're just camped out there. And what's weird too is that sort of person very often brings their cart very close to the section. So like not only is their body blocking the section, often their cart is blocking an even bigger section. And it's just like, leave your cart, you know, a few feet away. Grab what you need. Like, don't, if you're planning on camping out in front of a, an aisle, don't have your cart blocking it. Don't, don't, and, and two, like, how do you not notice people? Like, on the rare occasion that I'm taking my time in a certain aisle, like, I'm using my peripheral vision and I kind of glance, you know, I kind of look around. I mean, I'm, I do that to begin with. But I, I, I certainly do it if I think that I might be holding somebody else up, if there's even the possibility. But it goes back to something I, I think I think I've said this on here. Who knows? I've said so many things. But something I also notice is like that that same sort of person is like I've noticed a lot of this since since I first noticed it. I've noticed how often it happens. But the amount of people who like look at things in the grocery store and furrow their brow. It's a weird thing that they don't need to do. Like they'll pick something up and like look at it and furrow their brow like they're thinking hard about it. Often it's like if they're looking at the calories or ingredients or whatever, like they'll definitely do that where they'll they'll look at that and they'll kind of furrow their brow like I'm I'm really analyzing this. But they'll even just like look at the package and furrow their brow. And maybe it's just something instinctive like you're analyzing food. You know, like you can see, like you can imagine man in nature as an animal, like finding fruit and like furrowing his brow as he looks at it. Because it's like, is this still good? Is this edible? Like maybe it goes back to that. But I've noticed. I've just I've just noticed it a lot since I first noticed it. That's what happens. And you notice something once, you start noticing it all the time. But I, I'm like, oh, why do you need to furrow your brow? Deep in thought. Deep in thought in the grocery store. But yeah, just the lack of awareness. But anyway, I, just, I got going on all this because I was talking about like, you know, so it's a common experience for me of like having to go around people in the grocery store. Just because they're chaotically and slowly just crawling around. And it doesn't make me mad. Like, I, I'm not saying this to, you know, even though I was talking shit about people who just camp in front of aisles. Like, people moving slow in the grocery store doesn't make me, doesn't upset me. It's just not what I do. And so I have to navigate it. 
It's not like, oh, fuck them. Like, I, I have some really good memories. Like, my mom, I think it tends to be women more so who are slower shoppers. It's, it's definitely true. Because, like, women are, are cart people. You know, women are far more, more likely to get a cart and buy a lot of stuff at once. Whereas, uh, you know, men, I think, tend to use the, the hand basket more and not buy as much. But, like, I remember my mom, like, she, she would, I remember, like, having some just wonderful memories that I would kill to have again of just going to the store with my mom and us just, like, slowly just kind of floating around. And it was fun to look at things. So, like, you know, I, I'm not against people taking their time if that's what they want to do. And sometimes it is good and fun to do that, especially if you're with somebody. But as someone who, you know, is a laser, you know, when I walk through the grocery store doors... I actually turn into a laser beam and every surface is mirrored and I'm just a laser bouncing through and then when I leave I transform back into a man and I have all this stuff in my hands that I bought. So I have to navigate people. Anyway, like right after my mom died, one of the first times I was at the grocery store, this lady just kind of stopped and it was this big wide area. It was like you know what I would call kind of the runway. You have aisles and then there's that usually a pretty wide area where the aisles end and like between the cash registers. It's where people line up and things like that when they're waiting for a register. So like the big runway. I was walking down that and this lady just kind of like slowed down or stopped. And so I just went around her. And like she turned to me and I don't even know if she turned and directly addressed me or if it was like a passive aggressive thing where she like commented about me out loud. But she was like, there's a lady, you know, in a wheelchair or something. It was a, it was like a disabled lady on a, uh, like one of those ride on carts. And she was like slowly coming down the aisle and this lady had stopped for her. And so when I went around that lady, like not knowing why she was stopped and, and it being typical for people just to stop in grocery stores and for me to go around them. And then she, she tried to shame me out loud. And, and, you know, and it was one of those things where like she didn't even need to stop for this lady. Like, it, you know, it, she didn't even need to stop for her. And then she tried calling me out about it and honestly I I didn't even acknowledge it I just kept walking and I I just I genuinely smiled to myself and I thought like that's so amazing I was like here I am just days after I watched my mom die in front of me unexpectedly just days ago out of nowhere I watched life leave my mom's body and this is a big deal for me I'm going out into society one of the first times this might be the first time I've been to a grocery store since she died this is an important return to normalcy for me an attempt and this lady's trying to shame me because I didn't see the lady in the ride on cart I didn't hurt the lady I didn't run into her she wasn't even close to where I was Like, me going around this lady took, like, 
a millisecond because I'm a laser beam. Like me going around her, it I didn't even run into the lady in the ride-on cart. You know, I didn't even like inconvenience her at all. It literally had zero impact on this lady. And so this lady though, it was, you know, virtue signaling. It's like, I'm stopping for the lady in the ride-on cart. Shame on you for not doing that. But it was just so funny to me because I'm like, she doesn't know that she's being mean to somebody who watched his mom die a few days ago. And that's like, that to me, it was like a funny little lesson where I was like, yeah, when you think you're being self-righteous, you know, when you think you're you're the, the morally upstanding one and you shame somebody for not for not doing that, you never know who the person you're shaming is. You're actually doing something far worse. Like, if I had cared, because, I mean, I was just amused by it. Like, somebody in that emotional state might, like, freak out. Like, oh, my God. But, see, I, that's freaking out. Even when your mom just died and you're sad and have a million thoughts going on in your head, even then you don't need to freak out. <laughs> you know, like, even then, like, you don't, you don't need to go out in the world and freak out. Even when you're raw, even when you're feeling as raw as you ever have, like, still don't need to freak out. But anyway, uh, you know, I can just imagine, like, if I was someone who cared, like, turning to that lady and be like, do you know that my mom just died? Do you know that my mom just died two days ago? And you're being mean to me for no reason? Because you think you're a good person? But you know what? I wasn't going to... I wasn't going to take that woman's story away from her. Because that woman, like, she might well have, like, after she left the grocery store, like, she might have, like, talked to one of her friends and been like, Oh, I was in the grocery store and I stopped for this woman in a ride-on cart to let her go by. And this guy, like, walked around me. This, 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 this. You know, it's, uh, Maddie, it's okay. It's just one of those things where I wasn't going to take that story away from her, though. I wasn't going to, like, twist the, that story by letting her know, like, you were just mean to a boy who lost his mommy. Um... And like, but that's the same kind of thing, you know, the freakouts. I'm going to go out and freak out. You know, and it's not a masculine or a feminine thing, one or the other. I mean, like, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of women do freak out. Like, there's a particular way that women freak out. And, you know, I, I think that women do do it more often. I think, I mean, I, that, that incident of the store today, oh my God, are there dogs in here? I got bit by a dog six months. You're unlikely to see a man do that. You're unlikely to, to see a man, like, come into a store and freak out and be like, oh my God, are there dogs in here? Oh my God, what the fuck? You're just unlikely to see that. Whereas when I say that, a, that an older woman did that today, like, everyone can imagine that. 
Everyone can imagine, everyone's known that woman. Everyone's seen that woman. So I think that sort of thing is something that women tend to do more like emotional outbursts. The difference is, is that when men do it, it's more severe. Like when a man freaks out in public, it's dangerous. When a woman does it, which is more often, you know, people are just like, oh, it's, she's annoying. Oh, that woman sucks. She's annoying. But when a man does it, it's like, okay, we have a problem here. And so someone might be offended if you say, like, women freak out in public or just freak out in general more. But is that worse than a man which freak, who freaks out less, but when he freaks out, it's catastrophic? You know, it's certainly not something to be proud of as a man that like when we freak out, it's usually something really bad comes of it or it's at the very least it's it's threatening or scary. But then, you know, people do it at home. I mean, some people like sit there texting their friends, texting their family and it's just like, I'm freaking out. The only time I really internally freak out, like I get stressed, like I feel like I feel under the gun, like certain things can certainly get to me. But the only time that I really feel like I'm actually freaking out, pretty much when I smoke weed, and there's a 50-50 chance, like, you know, I, I smoke a little bit of weed at the end of the night, every night, just about. And there's a 50-50 chance every single time that I freak out. But I kind of enjoy that. I kind of enjoy the gamble. And I, I kind of like to see how I'm going to ride it out. Like I'll take just a little hit. I won't feel anything. I'll take another hit and suddenly I feel something. And I'll be like, oh, I'm freaking out. Oh, uh, this, feels, this feels terrible. But I kind of enjoy being like, let's see how I, how I ride this thing out. Let's see how this rides out. And then when it when you don't freak out, it's great. It's it's just like oh, this is what I was looking for. Um, but with the um, like inability to control your emotions or to not inject your emotions into everything, because I've never been that way, and then even more so now. And I'm not saying that to brag, be like oh, I have, I have total control over my emotions. I'm just saying that that's just my, my natural state, and I think it's just gotten more that way. Like, Because if there is something worth freaking out about, and I do freak out on occasion, but if there's something worth freaking out about, I try to think as methodically about it as I can. And uh, anyway, I guess what's weird about it is like people subjecting their emotion, like subjecting you to their emotions. The great burden that that places on you. How much it impacts you. Like if someone's kind of grumpy in the morning, what they call grumpy. Grumpy in the morning. You know, it's funny how that impacts you. Because even when I'm very tired, I'm, I'm not in a bad mood in the morning. I, you know, sometimes I'm kind of like, oh man, there's a whole day ahead of me. But I'm not usually in a bad mood. Even if I didn't get enough sleep, even if, you know, I don't feel good. Usually not a bad mood. But there's some people where it's just they're, they're generally in a bad mood in the morning. 
and they kind of inflict that on you. And the inflicting of your emotions on others, because that's what a freak out is. I'm going to inflict my emotions on you. I'm going to wear my emotions on my sleeve. You know, people who cry a lot, which is, again, something women do more of. I mean, it's not even a question. Like every girl I've ever dated cried all the time. It's actually crazy to me to think how often they cried. Not because of me either. It was just tons of stuff made them cry. You know, they obviously cry like when good things happen more, but just the number of just random things that made them cry. Coworkers too. Like over the years, like so many female coworkers I've just seen erupt into tears. Even ones that you wouldn't expect. At some point, there's a good chance I've seen them cry. Like, you're crying? That's fine, but... It's crazy to imagine most of the men I've worked with crying. There'd be a very substantial reason. Because as I've said on here before, the whole boys don't cry thing. Like, maybe there is or was a time and place... Where every time you cried, like a man was hovering behind you, like, are you, are you gay? You gay? But my experience with men and crying is that men don't hold it against other men or think that other men shouldn't cry. It's just that men think, like, you need to cry for a good reason. Like, I think if your mom or somebody close to you dies, like, men... I think men are fine. Like, they might not want to be around you, but men are totally fine with the idea of crying over that. When I talked about this before, I mentioned, too, like, heroism. You know, some sort of bold, selfless act. Sacrifice. Like, it'll happen to me sometimes, where, like, one night I was, like, reading a Wikipedia article about this guy. I forget his name, but he was... Was he a World War One hero? But he was this American soldier in World War One, who was very famous for his time. And it was just unbelievable how heroic he was. He ended up getting all... Like, tons of, like, bronze stars. and ev- He had everything. He got, like, every medal multiple times, practically. And there was all these stories about how, like, he held off... You know, a bunch of enemy soldiers by himself and like killed 12 of them and wounded 10 and you know and this this happened over and over again it was like something out of a movie but he was a real guy and I was reading about like his feats and it brought me to tears and not even like I was sitting there really like emotionally connected to it it's just something about that like something about stories of sacrifice or a guy like in war, like a soldier who's like the last guy from his platoon holding off like a, a whole squad of enemies. There's just something as a man that like that brings a tear to your eye. It's not a sad tear. It's just like, that's beautiful. Things involving animals. Most men are comfortable with the idea of like, you know, something happening to an animal bringing a tear to your eye and like the ultimate combo of that is an animal doing something heroic because I've mentioned before there's this 
photograph that sometimes makes its rounds online, and it's a statue of a little dog in England, I believe it is. It's somewhere, I think, in the British Isles. Maybe it's Ireland. It could be, I don't know what country it is, but it's, it's one of the Isles. And it's a statue of a dog, and it's like, you know, here, this this statue is in honor of George. I probably talked about this recently. The statue is in honor of George, you know, who gave his life. It's I'm seriously tearing up right now. I, I'm having deja vu that this happened like weeks, like two weeks ago on this show. But like, <laughs> I just, this is all I talk about. I just talk about this and I cry. But it's like, you know, this, this statue is like in honor of George who gave his life, you know, to two, uh, you know, to the lives of like two children who were being attacked by stray dogs. And it's like this little dog like died protecting two children from these like ruthless stray dogs. And so they erected a, a statue of him where he died. And it's just like, like I, I, I'm actually feeling the tears well up. I'm feeling the tingle in my face as I say this. It's not, you know, it, that is sad, like George, man. But it's just, it's beautiful. And it brings me to tears just to think about it. I mean, and that's a crazy one. Like, I think about that often. I think about George often. And it makes me think of Batty. And what Batty would do, you know, for people he loved. And it, it just... But even apart from that personal connection, I just, it, it really hits me and I, I think about it regularly. It's like just this little, I don't even, even know if I'd call it inspiring, just beautiful. It's like this little piece of sad beauty. And I just, uh, I think about it often. And what's amazing is like it brought me to tears the first time I saw it. And it brings me to tears every time I see it, because I've seen it a number of times, and it brings me to tears every time I even talk about it or think about it. So it's the gift that keeps on giving. And I think many men would have the same exact reaction to that, and not there'd be no shame in that. Because like if someone called you a fag for crying about the story of George, that guy's a fag, obviously. Anybody who would call you a fag for feeling emotional about that, you know, George, the, the heroic dog. Like, anybody who would try to shame you for that, they're not just a fag. They, they should be killed. They should be sentenced to prison. Like, in my world, if you tried to shame somebody for crying about the story of George, prison. Prison. Excommunication. You don't belong in society if you if you think that way. And I think most men would understand. They'd be like, yeah, the story of George. What I call the story of George would be like, oh, cry. Let's cry together. <laughs> so it's, it's more like don't cry over bullshit among men. You can cry. Don't cry too much and save it for when it really means something. Like George. When someone you love dies. When you see something. There's something about triumph too. Like I mean something like. Uh, the ride of the Rohorum. 
however you pronounce it, in Lord of the Rings. Like, both in the book and in the movie. Brings a tear to your eye. Just this, this speech. Like, there's, there's something in particular about fighting against all odds that brings out the emotions in men, which is really interesting. Whenever it's a story about, like, they were outnumbered uh, 10 to 500, and they held it. They held the fort. <laughs> you know, they, everybody around them was dead, and they just... They didn't give up. They'd held the fort. They just they took out, you know, an exponential number of enemies. Well, that guy, that World War One guy that I'm trying to think of, World War One, uh, that World War One guy that I'm trying to think of, it wasn't just that he like killed like a, like an exponential number of enemies, and he was just like by himself. He was like the last survivor, and he and this happened like multiple times. It's that he also like took them hostage. And that's the one that blows my mind. Like, it's one thing to be, like, the lone survivor with a gun and, like, you you manage to kill way more of the enemies as one man. But, like, he took a bunch of guys hostage. Like, there was one where I want to say he took, like, ten guys hostage. Like, at least seven. And it's like, how do you do that? How do you take, like, a whole group of enemies hostage if you're one man? Like, they have way more weapons. Like, even if they run out of ammo... Like, still, like, what are the, how are you, how are you able to do that? It's just willpower. It's just, it's magic. That's magic. And magic. But there's something about, like, men fighting against all odds. Like, no man fantasizes about, like, yeah, me and, like, an army of 2,000 squashing an, an army of 100. Like, nobody tears up at the idea of that, but it's like, there were 10 of us left and there were 500 of them and we with our backs to the wall you know it, it goes back to the story that I talk about on here playing laser tag as a kid at this kid's birthday party and me and this other kid that I grew up with not really a friend but kind of a friend just a kid you know he and I were the last survivors on our uh, it wasn't laser tag it was paintball we were the last survivors on our paintball team and we were stuck behind this wall, you know, cause a paintball course will have like these little corner walls that just are by themselves and you can peek out around them. Like they're not attached to anything. It's just like a barricade. And he, so he and I were like behind that together and the entire rest of the other team was alive and they were just like volleying paintballs at us. Like there were like six of them and two of us or something like that. And so they were, they were just standing there launching paintballs at us. And like, if we peeped our heads out, we, and we were stuck. There was nowhere for us to go. They had us totally cornered. And if we peeped our heads out, like they would get us. So we would just like stick our guns around the corner. We would just like, like peep around the corner, like fire off a paintball and then like go back behind our corner. And then all of a sudden the kid with me because the way it works is like if a paintball hits you and it explodes you're out and like you're, you're out of the game you're dead and this kid though he didn't get hit he was just he was next to me and we were just totally cornered totally hopeless 
And all of a sudden, he just put his hands up and pretended that he had been hit so he could leave the game. And I thought, you fucking traitor. You fucking pussy. I can't... I, I learned something about you. He was a nice kid. He was a really sweet, nice kid that I went to school with my whole life. Not a good friend of mine or anything, but he was at this birthday party. And when I saw him give up... Because he left me alone. It's not that it's. It'd be one thing if he was by himself. I mean, it'd still be a pussy move, and he'd be a traitor to himself. But it wasn't like he was by himself and he gave up. He gave up and he abandoned me. And he pretended that he'd been hit, and he hadn't been. And that left me, and I didn't give up. And what ended up happening is like I ended up like trying to shoot at the the enemy, and they hit me and. I was out. But it was a very intriguing moment for me as a kid. I must have been 12 years old. It was an intriguing moment because I was like, I learned something about that kid. If this were a real life and death situation, he's the kind of kid who would rat you out. Like if you committed a crime with that kid, he'd rat you out. He'd cooperate. He's weak. Nice, but weak. He's nice but weak. Oh, Aaron? His name was Aaron. Aaron? Nice but weak. I learned that you're not just nice, you're also weak, boy. But that feeling was great. Like, even though we were hopeless and we're like, man, we're going to get hit. Like, there's no way out of this. It was still kind of like, this is a challenge. Let's see what we can do. And you gave up. But when you hear stories about that, there's something about the male mind where... And I think it's true for women as well. Like, everyone likes an underdog story. Everyone likes, you know, a... um, I don't know. Everyone likes, like, some version of that. But there's something in particular about men that gravitate toward it in particular. Like, it was just me. It was just one man. And 50 Germans had him cornered. All of his allies were dead. And he held them off. And I mean, don't even get into the war dogs. Like, if you want to talk crying, the stories about the the World War II, World War I dogs, like there was some famous dog in World War I that survived the war, but was used to carry messages. And... The one I'm thinking of was hit with um, like chemical weapons and it had a lasting impact, but the dog lived for, you know, I believe many years after the war and was adopted by a, a like captain or a general in the army. But like you read about like the amazing things those dogs did, you know, it's just like, oh man, oh man. Just these these dogs in war behaving heroically. You're just, oh man, emotions. But anyway, like, I think with men, it's just kind of like have control over your emotions. And, you know, I've seen a number of men cry in my life. It's really bad if it's over a girl. Like, I've cried over a girl before. 
but it's really it's a really ugly sight to to see a man cry over a woman especially if it's just like a girlfriend really awful to see not that you can't do that in the privacy of your own home but you never want to see that that's not one of the like yeah if your wife divorced you and you have kids and you cry in front of your friend nothing wrong with that don't do it too much nothing wrong with that but like watching a man just cry over a girlfriend like yeah i've been there i know what it feels like i know how much it sucks but don't do that I've seen men at work cry. I mean, that's rare. I've seen tears well up in their eyes. I mean, a guy who worked for me, he was like in his 50s, a war veteran who saw some serious shit. And one day, like, he was so frustrated with something that was going on that I, I saw just tears well up in his eyes and rolled down his cheek. And I didn't look down on him for it. I knew he was just really frustrated. It didn't make me, like, lose respect. I sent him home. I was just like, just go home, man. But it's crazy that I saw that. And I was talking to my friend who runs a, a company. And we were, we were just comparing notes. He's like the, I don't know what he is. His, his uncle owns the company. And so he's he helps run it. And we were talking, we were comparing notes one day. And, and he was just like, you know, it's, he's like, it's amazing how many people I've seen cry here. And I was like, I know. Yeah, same here. Like you, these people just cry in front of you. They just cry. And, uh, like, one time I worked with this girl, very stoic nerd girl, very, like, matter-of-fact sort of autistic nerd girl. And, like, one time I went into the break room, and I said, hey, how's it going? And... She was like getting something out of a cupboard, a cupboard, and she just burst into like hysterical tears. And this was so unlike her. And I was like, "What's going on?" Because <laughs> I mean, I was just like, "What happened?" Like, and I remember like like she had done. She was a, a freelance graphic designer, and she had done some graphic design for this woman. And had like a working relationship with her, and then like the woman like started sending her, like, really mean messages. I think she ran this woman's website or something, and, like, the woman was, like, mad about something. And I was just like, whoa. It was just crazy. It was, it's like... This woman was sending her, like, mean messages about the website or something and that she designed for her. And... It was just too much for this girl that day, and it was so unlike her. It was it was shocking. She was not the sort of woman you would ever expect to cry. Like, well, there's a lot of women that you'll see cry. This one, you would never expect it. And so I knew that, it, yeah, it really impacted her, but I was just like, whoa. The, the things, that woman freaking out. Because again, like when you freak out, you inflict your emotions on other people. And when you inflict your emotions on other people, you cause them to freak out. If if it's the bad if it's a bad day already, if there's shit going on in their life, sometimes you just hit a person. Even if someone's not prone to freakouts, like your freakout can hit a person in just the right spot. It's like there's freakout pressure points, is what it is. What they call freakout pressure points. 
And if you don't keep those guarded, you know, sometimes people just hit them. It's like a chain reaction. And that becomes their story. Like, think about how many people's story of the day revolves around freaking out over someone else's freak out. And that's one of the, the biggest reasons not to freak out. Like, one, freaking out isn't good for you, but it's not good for other people either. Like, it's it's an epidemic. Like, you freak out, you cause someone else to freak out. It doesn't just end with you. And the amount of freaking out that goes on driving. I mean, driving is just one big freak out. Oh my God, he's going so slow. Oh my God, he's going so slow. What the fuck? What the fuck, dog? Speed up. It's like, oh no, this person's tailgating me. This guy's driving too fast. He cut me off. Oh my God. You know, it's like one... Someone going too slow will freak you out. Someone going too fast will freak you out. Someone cutting you off will freak out. Someone tailgating will freak you out. I used to freak out on the road all the time. If someone didn't use their turn signal, I would freak out. I'm very orderly when it comes to... As I said, you know, I was talking about the grocery store. I'm very orderly when it comes to how I shop. I'm very orderly with how I drive. I follow the rules of the road very closely. You know, yeah, I go 10 miles over the speed limit. Of course. Other than that, though, I follow the rules very closely. I always use my turn signal. I'm not perfect. I got caused an accident a couple months ago, a few months ago. But, you know, I'm very orderly on the road. Um, But I used to freak out, you know, if other people weren't. Like, if the person in front of me didn't use their signal, which still bothers me, that hasn't changed, but if the person in front of me doesn't use their turn signal, like, I used to be like, you fucking asshole, oh my, you fucking asshole. You know, that's how I used to feel about it, as my voice cracks, how I feel about it. And, uh, you know, it, it still bothers me, I still don't like it. Like, if someone cut me off, I used to get really upset. And you carry, it becomes your story. Like, you go into work and you're like, oh, on my way to work, somebody cut me off. I mean, like, something I deal with often is people going too slow. Like, as someone who doesn't drive that fast, like, 5 to 10, you know, I'll drive 5 to 10 over the speed limit. A lot of times, though, I'll just drive the speed limit. If I'm not in a rush, I just drive the speed limit. I love the speed limit. Even though I generally go a little bit over, I love the speed limit. Love the speed limit. But if this is when it really bothers me. But if I'm going the speed limit and the person in front of me is going under the speed limit, I get really irritated. And it happens to me almost every day at some point. And sometimes I'll be driving to work and that'll happen where I'm like, I'm stuck behind somebody who's going like 53 in a 60 mile an hour highway. And... I always feel this urge inside to go into work and say to like the people I work with, like, oh, don't you just hate it when someone goes slow on the freeway? But I always catch myself and I don't. Like, sometimes I got a vent, but I always catch myself. 
because I feel this strong urge, and it wouldn't be a freak out, it would just be a little vent, just different than a freak out. But I always feel that urge, and I have to stop it, of going like, oh, don't you just hate it when someone drives really slow on the freeway? Because I just don't want to, I, I don't want to do, I don't want that to be my story. I don't want that to be one part of my story of the day. Someone drove too slow, it kind of irritated me. I moved on. I got over it. I've moved on from that. Oh, hey, remember at, at 9.20 this morning when for two minutes you were stuck behind someone who was going too slow? I'm over it. Oh, oh that? I'm over it. You know, you don't want to carry that shit with you. You don't want that to be your story. Even for five minutes. Don't freak out. Don't freak out, but... Um, I don't know, but it's something you, you navigate all day long. People's freakouts. see homeless people, there's a good chance one of them's having a freak out. Go to a party, there's a decent chance someone's having a freak out. In the car, one long freak out. Grocery store, freak out. Work, freak out. If it's not one of the employees freaking out, one of the customers is going to be freaking out. I enjoy a, a good customer freak out. Like when I when it's happening, I, all I think about is like, is there a reasonable way I can resolve this? Like I just treat it like problem solving. Like I'm, I'm like, is there a reasonable way I can stop this? And not to you know pat myself on the back, but I, I do think I'm great at resolving customer freakouts. A lot of them happen on the phone. Like we rarely get them in the store, and we we don't get them very often. But every once in a while, like we'll get somebody where like their furniture was delivered and it was damaged and they're freaking out like I, I think this what are you going to do about this and of course like we, we replace it or refund them when that happens but that, that doesn't matter to someone who wants to freak out it doesn't matter that there's a very easy solution that'll make everybody happy like that usually doesn't matter to them because it's a story like that person's story is now like it's not just that their furniture got delivered and it was the wrong one or it was broken or whatever. It's that, like, it doesn't just end with them calling you and being upset. That's something that they're going to tell people in their life. Oh, I got this furniture delivered today and it's fucking this. Oh, God, it's this. Oh, my God, it's this. You know, it's like, that. that's going to be their story to to multiple people it's going to be an all day story sometimes and uh, I kind of enjoy dealing with that in a weird way like when it's happening I want it to be over as soon as possible but I kind of enjoy the exercise of like one it forces me to stay cool because the number one way to, to freak out is dealing with somebody else's freak out like, the number one way that you, you know, the number one cause of freakouts is another person's freakout. Like I said, it's, it spreads, it's infectious. And so even when you're in a professional situation and you have a role, 
and a certain like policy and set of parameters and options you know you can choose from when someone's yelling at you your instinct is to get upset but if you cannot get upset you know and often you know if you cannot get upset for one it just becomes like this this issue you need to resolve it's like one like how can i deal with this without letting this upset me how can I make this person less upset? You know, what can I do here? And more often than not, you just listen to them. I would say 90% of the time that I deal with a, a customer freak out, if you let them kind of rant and rave for a minute and you go, oh yeah, oh yeah, I understand, I understand. They eventually just kind of like, cry themselves out you know it's like a baby crying like they say like if a baby's just crying for no reason just to kind of sometimes let them cry it out that's kind of what it is with with this someone's having a freak out just just let them cry it out and usually they almost seem embarrassed afterward usually they're kind of like oh it's like you saw this very candid moment you weren't supposed to see and, and i mean the reason too some people feel embarrassed about it is because it is embarrassing that's really embarrassing really embarrassing to let somebody else see you freak out or hear you freak out to inflict that on somebody but uh you know i just kind of go oh okay well we can't do that oh no yeah we can't do that because like you know what we don't have damage deliveries very often but it does happen and like i've had people before be like my couch came and it's damaged I need you to deliver me a new couch today, or I'm canceling. And we can't. There's no way to do that. You know, our deliveries come out of a different city. The trucks get loaded in the mornings at the crack of dawn. The crack of dawn. So there's no way to get them that, that day. The truck has to drive an hour away. Somebody would have to be there to load it. It would have to drive an hour back. Like, there's no way we can get that kind of thing resolved that day. But some of you get those people who, like, don't understand that. And they're just like, if you don't give me this today, I'm, I want a full refund. And there's nothing I can do, but you, you just kind of listen to them. And if you can get them to laugh, that's my favorite. Like, I had a guy who was doing that once. And we got a resolver. I was like, oh, we'll get you. Here's, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to get you a new chair. We're going to deliver you a new chair. Because that's what we do. And the guy calmed down. And I was like, and you know, I'd love to tuck a $100 bill in the new chair. But I can't. And the guy laughed. That guy was probably the angriest customer I ever had. He was just, he was screaming at me on the phone. Just screaming, which is amazing. Like I said, if you can, if you can not feel anything in that moment, which I really didn't, I didn't feel anything. I was like, oh, this person's doing this. This person's just screaming, but none of that energy is entering me. It's just kind of hitting me. It's hitting my my outer layers and just kind of falling to the ground. So this guy, he was, he was literally screaming at me on the phone. And then we got it resolved. Here's what we'll do. 
which is the same thing we would have done if you weren't screaming at me, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to replace your chair with another chair. And he goes, like, oh, okay. And then I was like, and, you know, I wish I could say, I, you know, I'd tuck a $100 bill under the cushion of the new chair for you, but I can't. He's like, <laughs> you know, if you can get that person laughing, like, you've won. But I, I, there is something kind of exhilarating about that. Because it's a game, you know, it's like, here's the game. Here's what I can do to resolve this. Here's what I can't do. You know, there's a little bit of negotiation in there, but not much. But here's the parameters of the game. Let's see what we can do with this game. But more often than not, you just let the person go on and on, and then that's about all you need. And I don't even do the thing where, you know, because sometimes you'll deal with a customer service person who they don't get upset, but they get firm. They'd be like, sir, sir, I cannot um, do that. I don't even, I never even get firm. I just, I, I just kind of smooth my way through it. I'm just going, oh, no, we can't do that, but, um, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this, oh, I totally know about this. And usually that kind of disarms them. Like, if you never even get firm with them, like you don't back down. Like if you if you have a policy you have to adhere to, like you don't back down from that. But you never like take the firm stance where you're like, no, sir. No. You just kinda go like, wow. I'm gonna let this person rant and rave and just kinda smooth my way through it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ride out the I get to observe this freak out. Because people love watching public freakouts. You know, that's even like a Reddit thing. The dreaded Reddit. It should be called dreaded. Stupid. The dreaded Reddit, though, like that's even like a thing there, like public freakouts. People just post videos of public freakouts. And I mean, we all love watching those. We love watching them, but we don't like having them inflicted on us. Like we get some of our purest humor like some of the purest humor that a human being experiences is watching somebody else completely freak out but not not being connected to it in any way but if you're connected to it like if it's someone you're with that's freaking out like i've been with people who freak out before i've had friends and people freak out that's crazy it's weird to be attached to somebody like in a store and they have a freak out of some kind it's like whoa I'm a part of this. But when someone's doing it to you, when they're freaking out at you, we don't like that. We like to watch it. We're, we're freak out voyeurs. Just a bunch of freak out voyeurs. But it, it's popular. And it'll never not be popular. Because, you know, some of those videos, too, it's, it's often like... I mean, a lot of what those videos are is it's like, you know, people in the ghetto, like, freaking out at McDonald's. It's often, like, fast food restaurants, I've noticed. Like, the, the public freakout videos. It's like they were out of a certain sauce. And you'll see, like, 
some lady jump in the counter and like hitting hitting the employee. <laughs> You'll see these full on brawls. You'll see like it'll be like some McDonald's in the ghetto and it just erupts into a full on brawl between like the employees and these angry customers. It's like oh they they didn't have like oh you're all out of chicken nuggets. I'm going to hit you. I'm going to jump the counter and hit you. That instinct. It's like I you know it's that's not even fathomable to me. Like it's not fathomable to me personally or anybody I ever knew growing up like even the biggest freak outer freak outer even even the person the people I knew growing up like the moms and people who were prone to freak out it was all relative. Like they might, you know, when if somebody brings them the wrong dish in a restaurant they might be like I ordered this not this. But the idea of like leaping a counter and like hitting somebody or throwing things just totally foreign by the to the you know the very definition of the word that that is foreign to me. And so like the idea of a place where that happens I'm just like wow. Got to freak out at McDonald's. But that's also a level of freak out that I admire. Like freaking out to the point where you're you're attacking McDonald's employees, like that's fun. That's like a whole other level. Like that's not just a freak out. Like that's that's an art form. To just be like, oh no, no, we go we just go straight into violence. We just go straight into destroying things. Our freakouts are just pure destruction. And uh, I don't know, you know, like like going back to the idea of like other people crying. Like I, I always feel bad for somebody who's crying. But it's weird, like having had a lot of women work for me. I exp- I've experienced this at other jobs as well. But like in the last year, having women work for me, not all of them by any means, but. A significant number are brought to tears on a regular basis. And it, it, usually when they're chastised, like the few times that I've had to like bring a girl to the side and be like, listen, like this is a problem. Like, you know, your attendance is a problem. Like, what's your plan? Like, you can't keep doing this. More often than not, they've cried. Like three times that's happened, but what I notice is that a lot of the time, it's just it's something going on in their personal life, and then also like the bursting out into tears. It's not like it's not like it's just that like they're quietly crying. Like you happen to walk by them and look at their face, and you're like, oh, there's tears. It's that like the they will burst into tears. just burst and you're like what is going on and you know it's like any kind of boy trouble like there was a girl who was working for me who met a guy on you know a dating app she she was always talking about how she didn't even really like him 
And then they broke up after like a matter of weeks. Like they stopped seeing each other after a matter of weeks and she was just like bawling. You know, I'm just like, you said you didn't even really like this guy. And, and, you know, and of course, it's not even about that. It's like, it's an idea. Like, at that point, it's like you're crying about the idea. But it was still just like, wow, this is really, you're bawling about this. You're just bawling. You're just bursting into tears. And I don't look down on him for it. Like, I'm not like, oh, shame on you. But I'm just, what I, I don't like dealing with it. I don't like it happening because it, it affects, like, work ability. Because what ends up happening in that situation is, like, they're, they're incapable of working. Like, all day they might go in and out of that state. And so, like, they're incapable of doing their jobs or even just being conversational. So I don't like dealing with it, but I don't look down on them. I just kind of am like, oh, they do this. Certain people do this. A much higher rate being women just burst into tears. But it will be over something like that. Like sometimes it'll be something that matters. But the, I, I still remember with that girl, I was just like, she spent all day bawling her eyes out. And she's like 20 years old. And this was some guy she met on like Tinder and they dated for like three weeks. Like, what are you so upset about? Like, you, you, I, you were constantly talking about how, like, you weren't even really into it. Again, it's the idea. You're I should have said that. You, you know what? You, you know what, girl? You, you're crying over an idea. This is what it looks like to cry over an idea. That wouldn't have helped. But, um, I remember that I, this girl, I had this girlfriend for a long time and she cried a lot. And there was a time where like one morning, like I, she would always wake up before me and like I woke up and like she was just crying, which happened periodically. But I was like, what's up? What's up? What's up? And like this family friend of theirs, like. It was an older guy, like an officer in the military, like he had been deployed again. And I can understand like being worried and things, but I mean, he was like an officer. It's not like he's like getting sent to the front lines. He's like going to a military base somewhere. And she was like bawling her eyes out about it. And I, this is like shortly before we broke up. And I just remember like feeling nothing, you know, and that's not true. Like sometimes, you know, like your girlfriend cries and you, you, you feel for her or something. You... But I just remember this one time, I was just like, he's in the military and he like goes to different bases. He's, he's an officer. He's like 50 years old. Like, why are you crying? But she was just like bawling over it. And I, maybe there's, maybe I was missing something, but I'm, I was just kind of like, ah, oh. Okay. And that's always a weird feeling, like when you feel nothing. Like it's a, it's an asset when it's a customer. Like feeling nothing when someone's freaking out and it's like a customer or something where like it protects you to feel nothing. That's great. But like sometimes it does kind of suck when like someone you care about is freaking out and you feel nothing because you're just like, I don't know how to help you here. 
I don't know what to do here. Do I just let you freak out? But, uh, I don't know. Do I have anything else to say about freakouts? Anything else to say about freakouts? I know you got a lot to say about freakouts. 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 I do. I have a lot to say about freakouts. Because I love a good freakout. And, uh,. I think part of it too, like when someone does freak out in person, like I said, like I, I don't feel it. Like, and, I, and I'm not boasting of that. It's just that generally I don't feel it. And sometimes it does, in, sometimes it does hit me. Sometimes like I do, I, I have a little freak out if someone else freaks out. It's just pretty rare. But I think one thing is, is I've noticed that like, I've had customers freaking out before and then they just like look into my eyes at some point and they they kind of stop freaking out. They just look into my blue eyes. And I I don't know. I maybe I'm just imagining this, but I always feel like they they realize in that moment how ridiculous they're being. Like they just see these cold, dead blue eyes. Just these emotionless blue eyes. And they're just like, oh. Oh. You know, I was talking about quarterbacks' eyes. How the majority, like 80%, I don't know, the percentage has probably changed slightly. It's probably under 80% now that uh, Mahomes won another Super Bowl. But how until a week ago, 80% of Super Bowl winning quarterbacks had blue eyes. And... 60% of the best quarterbacks of all time have had blue eyes. And, uh, you know, a, a study should be done into, like, who's more likely to freak out. Unfortunately, this is stuff they can't measure. Like, there's no science on this. I'm a scientist on it. But there's no mainstream science about freakouts. Like, yeah, psychology, oh, the certain number of people are more prone to emotional outbursts. No, there's no real science on freakouts. Um, but uh, I'd love to see a study done on like if certain eye colors are more prone to freakouts than others. Because that plays into the quarterback thing where one of the reasons guys with blue eyes are better quarterbacks is basically because they don't freak out. Like, in order to be a successful quarterback, you cannot afford to freak out. It's staying cool under pressure. You cannot afford to freak out. Um, so, you know, I, I wonder if, uh, you know, I, I would assume it does. Like, I, I would assume that that extends outward to just behavior in general. Like, if you have blue eyes, you're less likely to freak out. I don't know. I, I'm I'm guessing. You know, as a freakout scientist, I'm guessing that that might be the case. You're less likely to freak out with all the pressure in the world on you on a football field, and you're less likely to freak out when all the pressure of life is on you, when 
the pressure of another person's freakout is on you. Another person's freakout. It's like another person's spit. It's another person's piss. You're basically pissing on somebody. You're emitting something. I mean, it kind of is like somebody pissing on your leg. It's like, I'm going to piss on your leg here a little bit. But anyway, another person's freak out becomes your freak out very quickly. It becomes your story. Oh, hey, this is going to be my story. Oh, this happened to me. That's what a lot of stories are. They're, this happened to me. This. Every story revol revolves around this. And it, it takes a lot of restraint. Because like I was talking about, like, if something happens in traffic, like someone is driving too slow, someone's driving too fast, someone cut you off, like, you want to t take that story with you into the next scene, because that's kind of what it is. Like, don't get me wrong, like, you will have stories throughout your day. Like, when you're on the highway and someone's doing something you don't like, in that moment, that is your story. Like, you don't have a choice. Like, I've, I've tried, and I can't not be frustrated and thinking about the guy who's driving way too slow. But what you don't want to do is take that story into the next scene. Like, you don't want to go into work and then be like, Listen, this guy was going really slow, and you, doesn't that suck? This... Just, it's, it's not taking the story into the next scene. and it, But it takes some restraint to do that because there's like something inside of you boiling up like vomit that wants to take the story into the next scene. You want to, I, I got to have something, I knew this. You know, and there was a, a woman who worked for me for a while and she was truly the queen of this. It was either like some sort of drama with a coworker. It was something about her kid. It was something about her husband. It was something about her aunt. It was something about her grandma. It, it, she had a different this every single day. Often there were more than one in a day. And I always knew I was... I, I always knew when there was an incoming this. Because like she would come over and there was a partition, kind of like a half wall above my desk... And you could stand on the other side and I would see her approaching and she would like lean on the, the half wall, what they call leaning on the half wall, leaning on the half wall. And uh, she would lean on the half wall and be like, just so you know, there's this, this, oh, there's this. And I would honestly say nothing. I'd go, uh-huh. Oh. Because the first time someone does that, like the first couple times, you're like, oh. Oh, yeah, let's get that resolved. Let's do something about that. Oh, okay, I'll do something about that. But when you realize that someone's just filled with that all day, every day, you stop listening or caring. It's the boy who cried wolf. <laughs> yes, Patty. Um, it becomes the boy who cried wolf. We are like, man, you're doing yourself such a disservice because you. it's always another this. And the amount of people who do that and the people I like are the ones where once in a blue moon they come to you and they're like, hey, just so you know this. 
And you go, oh, this. Because you know that they only come to you once in a blue moon with a this. But there's certain people, and it, there was a boy who worked for me in his early 20s. And he'd worked for us for about a week. And he came to me one day with a this. It's like, I've noticed that like these girls don't work as hard, and it makes me feel bad because I work hard. And I was like, oh, yeah, I totally get it. I was like, don't worry about them. Like, just do your job. And, like, I told him, like, you know, if if the possibility of, like, a promotion or a raise came about, like, you'd be first in line above them. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, and, and I, I appreciate it. And you feel better as a result. Like, you might feel like you're working harder than them, and you are, but it's like you get to go home and know that. Like, you get to go home and... and not worry about whether you worked hard or whether you're doing a good job or not because you are so let me worry about them and then he came to me again about another this and i was like oh yeah you know okay and then it started to just pour where i realized oh you do that you freak out every day and the first time i was like oh this guy's a hard worker and a good guy and he is a good guy but, uh, you know, I'm going to treat this like a legitimate grievance and, like, try to address it, take it into consideration. And then when he started to do it every day, I was like, you fucked up. You fucked up. You fucked up. Because now you're doing it about everything. And now I'm, I'm never going to take a complaint from you seriously again. That's, I hope it was worth it. I hope your daily freakouts were worth it because I'm never going to take one of your complaints seriously ever again. Somebody would have to be bleeding because you complain about everything. You have another this every single day. We all have a this, but you inflict your thises onto me every single day. Sometimes at night through text messages. I love this kid. This kid was great, but... He needs to stop doing this. You need, hey, stop doing that. I maybe I need to say that more. Just hey, stop, stop doing that. Just stop doing that. Stop doing that. So you, you get and you get a feel for it. You're like, oh, that's a person who does that. And the sad part is they don't realize that this daily story that they bring with them from scene to scene is. Uh, delegitimizing them you're delegitimizing your concerns because you become the boy who cried wolf the girl who scried who <laughs> the girl who screamed this there's the boy who cried wolf and there's the girl who screamed this because that's what the boy who cried wolf is and you take the wolf when you when you take the setting out of it and the 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 point of it i mean not the point of it we, Whatever. When you when you take the wolf out of it, as they say, uh, it's it just becomes this boy who's running around going this. Hey guys, 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 be careful this. And then one day there's a real this. One day there's a real this. The boy's running around screaming this, and everybody goes. He just goes around screaming this all the time. Every day it's another this. And then that's the this that kills them. You know, of course, politics are based around this. Most social issues. 
And there are legitimate thises. Nobody said there's not a, a legitimate this sometimes. But there's a little too much. There's a little too much this. A lot too much. And the reason people do it, though, is because it gives them a story. It gives them like this very, it's like a drug is what it is. It's like this very cheap, temporary sense of meaning or purpose. Like for the next hour, I'm filled with a sense of purpose. Going back to the lady who freaked out about dogs in the store earlier. For maybe 20 minutes, her life had purpose. She stood up for something. They, oh, they shouldn't have dogs in the store, man. Oh, God, they had dogs in the store. Oh, my fucking God. You fuck it. You know, you know, for a little bit, you had a, you had some purpose. You had something you were taking a stand against. But where did that go? Where's that now? Where is he now? Where is old purpose? I, you don't have any. And it's funny how a lot of people have someone in their life like that. Many people in their lives. But it's like, for some people, that's their mom. Like, I had a friend growing up, and I, I loved his mom. But she she was filled, she was the girl who screamed this. It was just, she was always screaming this. She was always screaming this. This. And I, I realized that at a young age. I was just like, oh, she's she's always stressed about something that doesn't matter. And she was a nice woman. She was a good woman. But I just noticed at a young age, I was like, she's always freaking out about something every single day. And it's always something. And it's almost always something that you don't need to freak out about. And it's just one little blip that day. My mom didn't do that. My, you know, my mom, you know, she had a sense of drama about her at times, like a healthy sense of drama. Like my mom enjoyed the lore of life, but she didn't freak out. And I appreciate that because I, I think that really does something to a kid. You know, I think if your parents are the type that freak out, it it adds like an extra element of stress. Especially because kids often know, like, kids are often the ones who are embarrassed. They're kind of bystanders, and they're and they're embarrassed. They're like, oh my, my dad's screaming at the the waiter. <laughs> you know, this sucks. This isn't this this is embarrassing. But I uh, freaking out. This is the science. If you want to know the answers, this is the science behind freaking out. Gold. 
to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children Hey.